20 years ago. Wow. Okay. You need to visit again. You need to come out for Comic Con. Oh, gosh. I'd love to, but I don't think I'd be able to get a ticket. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, you just got to play the system. You got to refresh, 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 have friends refreshing. I think you can buy tickets for up to three friends. Yes. Yeah, so, I saw yeah. that episode of Big Bang Theory where they're all trying to get the tickets. Yeah. <laughs> I would just die and laugh and. My son and I are, are basically doing a binge of all the Big Bang Theory. You know, Big Bang Theory was a lot of fun. You know, it's funny because you know, there's a lot of guys like like Scott Gardner who just, they won't even watch it. They feel that, it, that it's too mocking of his culture, you know, our culture. <laughs> and I'm just like, I laugh with it because I do a lot of the things that they do. Or you know, I know the people that they're that they're showing there. You know? Sometimes it's just a little too close to home. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we spent all this time mocking every other social group out there. Might, mm-hmm. as, might as well, you know, get us too. And you know, the thing is, like the guy that plays Sheldon, he did he did some really really good research because he basically portrayed someone on the Asperger spectrum. Mm-hmm. And he portrayed them to a T. So I mean, it's uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a problem with that show. You know, I I don't either. Uh, just you just gotta know when to let go. I think it's in fun. I don't think it's meant to be mean spirited or ugly or hurtful. I think it's just calling out stereotypes and actual people for how they are. I mean, come on. We all know people like that. It's yeah. it's not stretch. The only thing uh, I I really actually had a problem with on the show was Kripke. <laughs> Kripke? Yeah. yeah. That just I, I I didn't like you know the the constant making fun of the of the lisp. Mm-hmm. Especially or, or, or what what do they call this little the speech impediment? Especially, and it was funny. I couldn't help but laugh. The whole bit was Surrey. Because he was complaining about Surrey's speech recognition. Uh huh. Have you seen Have you seen the uh, the fun videos when Scots people, Scottish people, try to get Siri to acknowledge them? <laughs> oh gosh, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well. Oh, what was the other thing I was gonna? Well, it might just be us. Shall we just get started and then um, get Kirk caught up when he shows up? He might. He typically gets home around um, half past, doesn't he? So maybe he'll be. Yeah, maybe he's I mean, he's, he said yeah he he could be on at midnight, but uh, okay, uh, yeah. I mean, again, he's. I know that not only is he doing the weather, he's also the web guy. Mm-hmm. So he posts all the stuff on the web once they finish their show. So maybe he's got a lot to a lot to do. Ooh, I just finished. Okay, I mean, basically we've started already. If you didn't know, because we always just like ease on into it so uh i'll say hey everybody welcome to uh, another episode of cocktails and comics 
Uh, it's just a couple of us here, but happy hour just started. And oh, no. Happy hour started a, few, a little bit ago for me. <laughs> well, yeah, apparently for Tim and Fanula, it started quite a while ago. Because <laughs> I think they, they, they went a little too far, so now I don't think Tim will be joining us. Ah, uh, well, we'll miss him. Yeah. For me, I mean, my happy hour started about eight hours ago, but I've been taking a little easy. Maybe, maybe as this night goes on, I'll... Uh, imbibe a, a bit more but I've been trying to take things a, a little easier there trying to take off some of the weight here as I get ready to move and so that's you know that's coming and I'm already you know spending a lot of time my, my time packing stuff so that's a lot mm -hmm. of fun yeah so I just finished Picard tonight had you been watching oh. that yes we have and we watched uh, the final two episodes last night Oh my gosh, was that just like a... I mean, it was just all right, everything in the feels, you know? So before you go on, let's just let's just put it out there. Spoilers, spoilers, We're, we're going to spoil it? We're going to spoil it? Why the heck not? I mean, come on. Otherwise, we might as well not talk about it, in my opinion. I mean, so if you haven't seen Picard, go watch it, and then, and then come back and listen to us and see if you know where you are with this stuff i mean or, or skip I, I, ahead about 15 minutes yeah <laughs> or, or skip ahead yeah, yeah because uh I, yeah otherwise yeah let's just spoil it i, I mean i don't care <laughs> we put it out there it was great what did you think brian you know I, I mean the thing is it really touched on all the the things that that bring out the feels in me and I, what i mean is like there's there's points where you just get kind of choked up, and mm -hmm. and seeing all that. I I did have, and it wasn't with the last two episodes, but there was a, a kind of a, a thing I'd noticed, and I may have mentioned this on the, uh, the last show that we did that uh, is getting dropped on Sunday with the West Coast Avengers, that um, mm -hmm. it did seem like, the show was like doing. There was a lot going on and a lot of dangerous moments and. They, they always seem to be in peril, but they still have enough time to all sit around a table and have a, a friendly chat, you know? And yeah. I'm just kind of like, that. it seemed weird how they were able to do that and yet be in such dire circumstances. That was just for us. Yeah, that, that, that was that was good fan service. But yeah. it, it did make me stop and go, hmm. But beyond mm -hmm. that, I mean, everything was really, really, you know, pretty cool. There was a lot of disturbing bits in these last two episodes with the things that happened and the things that happened to a lot of people. Yes. But some really cool... Okay, so we are just going to... Spoil Talk about it. Go ahead. Commander or Admiral Shelby. Wow! I was shocked. I was just like, what? They brought her back? How cool was that? Do you know what was <laughs> a funny thing? That What's is that? the most that she has ever looked like her father. Because if you didn't know, that's Brian Dennehy's daughter. <gasps> You know, you didn't I know saw the last name. I just didn't make the connection. Yeah. You're right. Oh, my gosh. And she yep. she really looked like him there with the gray hair, and she had it pulled up like that. And yeah. It's just like, oh, my gosh. She can and, go after you know, Rambo. It's, it's, it's really funny. As soon as she appeared on screen, I recognized her instantly. Yeah. And then they said her name. And it's really funny because she was only in two episodes. And it's like. Wait a second. How did this character have so much impact in such a small uh, episode uh, appearance? 
and wow, I mean, and they could have done so much more with her. And it seems to me now, looking back, what a, what a wasted opportunity they could have. She could have been if if Catherine Mulgrew had not come to Voyager, she could have been the the captain of of uh, Voyager. You know, there's a series of books that Peter David's written. Really? Yeah, where uh, she is. Um, golly, I don't remember if she's captain or not, or first officer aboard the Excalibur. And it's an ambassador class starship, and um, it's a series of books written by uh, Steve, uh, by by Peter David, and now the the titles of them elude uh, mm. me because it's been a long time. Um, so I gotta look it up. And oh, New Frontier, the New Frontier novel series, and it basically introduced you to a real maverick of a captain. And uh, just uh, the, their adventures. And so he, he brings aboard Shelby. He brings aboard Robin Leffler. He brings aboard Dr. Salar. You know, all these characters that mm. you recognize from Next Generation that mm. had small roles. He takes them and brings them into, into that particular uh, story. And Peter David's got a very, you know, real uh, good Star Trek kind of pen and when he writes he he finds ways of tying so many things together sometimes it can be a little too tongue-in-cheek but uh in a lot of his early books his early next-gen books are great vendetta a rock and a harvest in fact uh, a rock and a hard place was one of his very first ones and the uh, character in that book was a guy that took over as first officer aboard the enterprise for a while while Riker had to deal with something in a very cold, frozen place. And this guy drove Picard frickin' nuts because he was such a maverick. And uh, just, it was a really, really good story, a really good use of Worf with this guy, because Worf really loved the guy, the way the guy did things, because he didn't take crap off anybody. And, uh, but he just driving Picard nuts because he was just so even beyond Kirk in the way that he would handle situations, even diplomatic situations. Mm-hmm. So, I really, again, Peter David, uh, pretty much mo- most of his next-gen books are uh, w- well worth a read, uh, all the way from uh, Q and Law, which is uh, Q meeting Luxana Troy, mm-hmm. and a uh, very, very funny book, uh, so, so funny uh, fact of the matter is there's an audible version of it where John Delancey and Majel Barrett do their own voices and, and, and do the story. Uh, and um, No, really good. And then uh, he wrote two books on the subject of Imzadi, the relationship between uh, Riker yeah. and Counselor Troy. Now, the first one is a great, great, great book uh, that uh, follows in the vein of City on the Edge of Forever but gives a little twist on that um, where, you know, Kirk sacrificed a woman he loved for the galaxy, you know, for Starfleet, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah. Riker was willing to sacrifice the galaxy for the woman that he loved. Mm-hmm. So uh, just a, a, a real good turn on that, uh, on that particular story. And then he, he did, uh, he, he pulled that out a lot in the series. Yeah, uh, this year he called her Imzadi a lot, mm-hmm. so he was definitely referencing that. So you know that that is all. Well, they used can- the term Imzadi in, in Encounter at Farpoint. 
Oh, you know, I don't remember that. Yeah, so, and, okay. and Peter David just wrote the book on it. And uh, uh-huh. Jonathan Frakes actually read the book on Audible. Um, it's so, a- um, Brian, what did you think of the reveal of who was actually behind all of this? Were I, you first I figured of all, were it you out about three episodes ago. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, 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 it just was, I was sitting there kind of putting it all together. Because I'd, I'd had a couple thoughts, but the whole Eremotic Syndrome, uh, you know, Picard and all that, and then I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And then I, I just realized it, and I'm going to say it right here for everybody, again, spoilers, it was the Borg. And I, I was just like, I was already there, and so when I got the big reveal and all that, I was like, yep, that's what I thought. And, it and just, not only the Borg, but... Alice Cridge, Borg Queen, Borg. Oh my gosh! I was well, now like, she wow. did the voice uh, of it, but the the character was actually played by uh, Jane Edwina Seymour, mm. not the Jane Seymour that we all know from, from, from mm. what, Frontier <laughs> yeah, Doctor yeah. or whatever, but um, a, a different woman, Jane Edwina Seymour. But, Solitaire yeah. from James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, then Alice Creek did the voice. And okay. after seeing her, I can understand why I wouldn't want to be in that much makeup. <laughs> yeah, but still, just the fact that they referenced to that Boar Queen was super cool for me. Yeah. Hey, and we got to hear I mean, Major I was, I was taken by surprise, and I love when I can be not figuring things out early on. So uh, the fact that it took you seven episodes, that's good. that's good storytelling. Yeah. And for me, I, w- I was kind of shocked because... I think I was kind of, my husband and I were kind of thinking, well, we kind of hope that, remember in the first season where they had those Blue Gill things that were infiltrating Starfleet and uh-huh. they like took over that one? We were kind of hoping like, okay, m- because that kind of fizzled out. We never heard from them again on this TV show and might have been in the books. I didn't read all the books, but... We're thinking, wow, maybe this would be a way for them to bring that in and kind of tie that into that first season. And uh, so we were kind of watching this, and then we thought it was cool that they brought in the changelings from Deep Space Nine. And at the end, we were like, wow, they kind of like tied all of the series together, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from that era, you know, Deep Space Nine, Next Gen, Voyager, Voyager and Enterprise uh, in different levels of. And even original know. series because they had Anton Chekhov. And yes, and that yes. was Walter Koenig that did that. Uh, was that his voice? That was okay, Walter Koenig. I wasn't Koenig, sure. Yeah. I was checking and it. And I thought it was, it was really insane. cool that they named him Anton. Yeah. yeah. After Anton Yelchin, who, who so played so Chekhov much cool stuff. Um, really, we really enjoyed it. I love the cameos. Um, our biggest, my biggest thing was. And I get it, this must have been totally on Will Wheaton, but the absence of Wesley. Now he showed up in the previous there. season. Yes, or but one of the this previous is the next gen. This is a next gen reunion and and send off. I, I would like to have seen his character even for an episode or two, or even one episode as a as a similar thing. But had you it watched have the Ready nice. Room though? I do watch the Ready Room. Did he? And I love did he state why he was? Why they didn't? Did they just not write him in into it? Or we have not seen the final episode of Ready Room for this, but so far, you know, he hasn't spoiled anything. So um, I can only think it must be his because there's. I don't know why they wouldn't write 
uh, Wesleyan when they wrote all of these other characters and everything in, and he was there from the beginning. So yeah, and I mean, he's doing this show. He's working for them. It, it, and he obviously loves Star Trek still. He loves Next Gen. He loves his co-workers. So I don't know why uh, that he wasn't. He wasn't. The character wasn't. So um, I think he's, you know, he's he'd be, he would be that plot device that could fix everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, you he could, but he could also just, like, phase in and it would have been nice to see all of them um another one that we were um that i was disappointed or not disappointed but like i was hoping to see would be uh the greatest starfleet officer chief miles o'brien yeah <laughs> uh we didn't see o'brien uh, we didn't see a lot from the ds9 and um i really think that it was odd that we didn't see janeway hmm so those were just some things, but otherwise loved it. What uh, about the uh, the end cap? Did you catch that? I did catch it and thought it was a nice and interesting bookend to all of it. That's how it started. That's how it's ending, or starting again. Well, there was a there was also a cool line. I mean, there were several cool lines in the wrap ups, and they had almost as many wrap ups as uh, Return of the King. But um, one of them that was that was interesting is as as they were leaving the deck of uh, the Enterprise D, and you know they made that same comment that McCoy made in Encounter at Farpoint. Basically, you know you treat her right. You know mm-hmm. they didn't say it word for it, but you treat her right, she'll always bring you home. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that that's how they started. That's how they finished it. So I thought that was really mm-hmm. cool. It was it was great. I really enjoyed this season. I really did. It was great. Cool. So what else are you watching? Um, Mandalorian. I am definitely watching Mandalorian and it? very much enjoying it. Did you finish the season, the third season? No, we are. Uh, I think we're like one one or two episodes behind. Mm. Um, last episode we saw was the. Um, the Mandalorians um, back on uh, with the uh, back on Mandor. Mandaloria. Mandaloria, and uh, they were um, fighting with the the folks from the sh- the ship, and so uh, we're a little bit behind. But I'm so enjoying the series. I, I think I you're really on the second think, to last episode. Yeah, it might be second or se- or the third to the last episode. Because it it sounds like the the next to last, but. Uh... I don't know. It could be, it's it's been really really good. Um, I again, we're gonna spoil things. So if you don't want to hear about Mandalorian, go ahead and skip. <laughs> actually, skip I can't. I, I minutes, actually so. don't know that I can say anything to you because I I'm afraid I would uh, actually spoil something. It's, it's, so it's okay. No, no, uh, I'm I, I'm not spoiling anything. If you haven't I'm, seen okay. the end yet, that's the thing. No, I haven't seen the final episode. I'm loving it up to this point. Um, I'm totally enjoying. It t- really feels like Star Wars to me, even though it's set, you know, after you know, Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. and it still carries that feel. I did not like the the precursor episode. Was it Andor or whatever? Um, I just couldn't get into you didn't that. Like the Andor show? No. I really, I really. The fact of the matter is, I, I I've liked pretty much every one of the shows that they put out of the live action shows. Uh, even Book of Boba Fett, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I I had some complaints early on about Obi Wan, but uh, mm-hmm. but and and only the 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 biggest complaint I had about Obi Wan was the production values. It's like they they mm-hmm. shorted it on the budget. Mm-hmm. But after a second watch of it, I really was appreciating the story, the 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 actual journey that Ben Kenobi had to go through, and how it w- actually works with episode four mm, and mm-hmm. so uh, i really enjoyed that the um book of boba fett it uh was definitely a, a mixed bag because it was like telling multiple stories that seemed unrelated and all of a sudden you have one full episode that is nothing but the mandalorian <laughs> yeah and then you Art go to the too. final episode where everything comes together it's like items swirling around in a toilet until they mixed in the middle you know just like yeah you know um boba fett to me was just like a very side project i didn't it felt like it was part of it but not and so you know until the mandalorian part came into it and then it like tied it in with that but for the most part i was like this is nice to see the backstory and it was just kind of like a, a detour for me so I enjoyed it on that aspect of things, but Mandalorian itself, I'm really enjoying as, you know, continuing on with my enjoyment of Star Wars. Yeah, and, and I mean, someone is, is a, I'm hearing a number of people that are sitting there saying that they're diluting the magic of Star Wars by putting so much programming out. But I, mm-hmm. I gotta say, I mean, the thing is, I, I didn't watch the resistance because I didn't like the the animation or the storytelling on that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, pretty much everything else I've been watching, and even the Bad Batch, I'm enjoying that. I'm not seeing that as as frequently as the other stuff. I'm not. I mean, with with the Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett or Andor or even Obi Wan, I was watching those the day they came out. The new one, I just watched the day that they came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, couldn't wait for it. Bad Batch. That's one of those. It's like I'll let a couple episodes build up, and then I'll binge them. And I'm just like, wow, that was great. You know, it's something something I can enjoy because you can really immerse yourself in the universe in a show like that. Mm-hmm. But we're getting, we're getting so much. You know, I mean, there's there's so much that you're able to do uh, and 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 see with all this now. I mean, really, if you sit there and you start with Clone Wars. But, I mean, if, if you were to watch everything in a chronological order, is there anything that starts before The Phantom Menace? Mm. I, I don't think so. I think that's that's yeah. where I mean, we, we really don't get any kind of flashbacks or anything that starts before that. But, I mean, if you can watch the, the prequel trilogy and you can throw in the Clone Wars in there between 2 and 3 and then, you know, finish up Clone Wars and then go to Rebels... And you can sit there and also catch up on um, Mandalorian and uh, Book of Boba Fett. And I'm trying to think where the other shows are falling. Because the other shows are coming like way later, aren't they? No, Obi-Wan's actually before. Obi-Wan's before. Uh, wait, wait. No, wait, wait. I, I, that's right. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm getting things super- confused. Because, yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, no, because um, you've got the prequel trilogy, Clone Wars, Rebels, the original trilogy... And then you've got, um, I don't know, you'd actually have Obi-Wan before the, the, the original trilogy. Somewhere in there, yeah. And then yeah. you would have Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian after that. Yeah, Obi-Wan was 
before the original trilogy. Right, cause, right. And, oh, and, and then there's Rogue One. And then Rogue One, then Trilogy. Oh, Andor also. Andor, then Rogue One. Good guy. You know, it's just there's so much. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, I'm not complaining about it because I could watch any of them. You know, if, I, if I'm if i stuck somewhere and that's all I got, I could sit there and binge watch all of that. Mm-hmm. Though I'd have to get a roadmap on how to watch Clone Wars because I couldn't go through the slog that is every episode. I'd I sit there have... and watch the episodes that are like all Jar Jar or... Just, One of my friends said that Clone Wars was actually really super good. Yes. I just haven't committed myself to it. Well, again, I'm like just, I was I'm saying. I'm a TV watching person, so having that much to try to catch up on just kind of like intimidates me. So I'm like, yeah, maybe I won't. But um, but he said it was really, really good. Well, and and that's, that's the thing with me right now is that I'm watching less and less other TV or other movies and stuff. If, if my family wants to go see a movie, and I'm just like, eh. Mm-hmm. I mean, they 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 went out the other night to see a movie called The Pope's Exorcist. Mm-hmm. I think is what it was. Um, and they, uh, my wife enjoyed it. My son was disturbed by it, and I, I told him he'd be disturbed by it probably, <laughs> just because it's got the word exorcist in the title, and that triggers me from what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but um, and they want to go see the new Evil Dead, but to me it's not like the original Evil Dead. So I've got again, I've got no interest in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Ash versus Evil Dead kind of stuff, you know, where it's uh, Bruce Campbell, and they don't even bring <laughs> in a, a character like that. And again, that that's a character that's more for comedic value. As well as being, you know, your heroic character. If you watch Army of Darkness, he's able to, you know, carry the ball in both areas where he's doing the comedy but also doing the hero. Mm-hmm. But the the later series had him basically being more just the bumbling fool, and uh, then that series just kind of ended. But the movies that they've made since they did an Evil Dead remake about what ten years ago. 15 years ago and nothing else came of that and then this new one came out and it's out what this week I think or maybe it came out last week but you know I just I don't have interest in going to see all this stuff and I'm just like okay well you guys go ahead and I'll you know do whatever but uh, I mean my my wife is watching so many different shows at night I'm just like nah no nah no Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yep I get it I'm, kind of me too. I, I'm I hit a point where I'm like, okay, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, you just start paring stuff down. You know, it's like, you know, I've got just so much life left in me, so I, I need to spend it a little bit more constructively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that I've been doing is, um, you asked us in our chat, you know, what books are we reading? And mm-hmm. I have um, taken up to reading uh, Doom Patrol. And I'm reading a certain segment of Doom Patrol. Um, it's the because uh, you know we lost um, Rachel Pollock, who was a writer on Doom Patrol in the '90s. Uh, and she wrote the last like 25 or so issues towards the end of the series, and she introduced uh, stories and characters for the LGBTQ plus um, community. Hmm. And uh, she passed away early in April, so. Um, you know, uh, another comic writer um, gone on to the other side. Uh, and uh, so I thought, you know, I, I really wasn't into Doom Patrol of that era. Um, 
so but I thought you know I had met Rachel in person at some point uh, a few years ago and I thought you know let me give it a shot and oh my gosh it is so <laughs> she maintains that definite strange and weirdness of what Steve Laola and um, those folks had done when they rebooted uh, Doom Patrol in the late 80s so that's what I'm going on for I've read the John Byrne Doom Patrol uh, already when, uh, from the JLA uh, issues the through circle, yeah yeah, from the tenth circle all the way through the entire, and I have the entire um, Doom Patrol run. What's your uh, What's your from, overall impression on Burns Burns' run there? I, we read the first book after the tenth circle, you know, it's the first regular series book. Uh, we covered that um, here. Yeah, um, overall, um, you know, it was okay. It went into John Burnness for me for a while, where he introduced a like three or four different characters that I wasn't sure that needed to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, straying away from the main uh, uh, quartet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, so it kind of went into a little bit of that bizarreness and that whole vampire thing. And I was like, eh, whatever. But, you know, overall, I think the series was interesting and I, I did enjoy it. Hmm. How about you? You know, I, I I hadn't done Doom Patrol except for the TV series. Mm. And you didn't even do the John Byrne one yet. No, just that just that one book. And that, the just, thing is, that one uh, book did make me want to go ahead and read the rest. But I was going to go ahead and get the um, the uh, omnibus. Uh huh. And, okay. and read it that way. I just I hadn't yep. gotten it yet. And you know, with moving and everything else right now, it's like I'm not yeah. I'm not buying any books right now. Yeah, so that's it, crazy. Yeah, and so it's like if I'm reading anything right now, I'm doing it digitally, and I just don't you know I don't have anything like that. Um, I was actually looking over um, some of the old Charlton stuff, the the Doomsday Plus One. Uh, mm-hmm. Scott Gardner had mentioned the the Charlton Bullseye, which I ha- actually have a copy of, uh, that they had a Doomsday Plus One story in and a Neil Adams cover. And um, so I pulled that out. I, I was sitting there look, reading that and uh, going back and looking at those stories. And I, I really liked them, but I always found certain things funny. I think I mentioned before when we covered the, the books how Kuno couldn't say Jill. He would go, Jit. Like you just couldn't <laughs> say Jill, but in the same on the same page, you can actually see him yelling towards the bad guys. Kuno kill, you know. <laughs> couldn't mm-hmm. say Jill, but could say kill. Yeah, funny. <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, you know, and then the other thing I've been looking at is I've been looking at some uh, of the original Dan Jurgens Booster Gold uh, for my son because he's just all about Booster right now. Really? Yeah. Um, again, Christopher, you know, he's got a goal. He wants to. He wants to make movies. He wants to direct movies. And he, it, it's it's funny the characters that he's actually gravitated towards. I mean, while he loves uh, Superman, Superman's his favorite character right now, uh, where Batman <laughs> was a few years ago. The characters that he's writing is like Booster Gold and um, uh, Wildcat. Out of all the characters, I'm like, Wildcat, that's interesting. 
and mm-hmm. he just wants to. He, and I mean, he's just like he's got some really good stories lined up that he would love to make into you know make into movies. And and um, we had watched the episode of Justice League Unlimited, the greatest story never told, where Booster basically saves the world while the Justice League is also saving the world. But Booster doesn't get any credit for what he did. And it's, so my son's just kind of taking that kind of idea and really running with it. But, yeah, I mean, Booster Gold is one of those great redemption stories. And you don't see him, you know, finding that redemption yet. He's always in the middle of his redemption. Did you ever Did you ever read much of Booster Gold? I did not. That was in an era of my... Um, my- time when uh, comics were not a big part of me. It had to really stand out. It was either by a specific creator or artist that um, or, or storyline that I was particularly interested in, so I didn't I didn't partic- pick up any of that stuff. Well, the, the origin of him is really kind of messed up. He's from the 26th century, alright? And, or 25th century. And anyway, he was a college football player, and he was, like, poised to become a pro player. He's going to be a big, big star and everything. But he needed money. So he shaved points and got busted and got drummed out of the league and couldn't, you know, got forbidden to go pro and all that, you know. Uh-huh. So he had a, a lackluster life where he was working at a museum as a security guard. And it just so happened to be a museum that had a lot of artifacts from superhero battles and whatnot. So he found uh, a... They had a time bubble, and they had uh, several of uh, what looked like Brainiac 5's artifacts. They had his, like, force field belt. They had a Legion flight ring. And then there was also this little drone-type robot uh, that would fly around called Skeets. Computerized kind of thing. He's kind mm-hmm. of like Al in Quantum Leap. He's the one that gives yeah. Booster all, all of his information, you know. And so Booster takes the time bubble and comes back to, well, the 20th century initially and basically tries to set himself up like Captain Amazing in Mystery Men, you know. <laughs> the, you know the great superhero that's getting all the commercial uh, endorsements and, you know, all that, having movies made about him and all that. But, you know, he doesn't tell anybody he's from the future. And uh, just uh, so again, it's him trying to be a hero and everything, and it ultimately turns into a story of redemption. And the first two years, the first uh, yeah, twenty-four books were done by uh, I think Dan Jurgens and I think Mike DiCarlo. But um, that, those, those first two years were really, really good. Mm-hmm. And that was around the same time that, of course, um, the Blue Beetle series also came out the Paris Collins series and then Blue Devil was also out and that, yeah. and that one was um, golly was that Michigan and Khan writing that but um, yeah the, the, but I love the Blue Devil series too that was a great time though to be a reader yeah great but for some reason all the good series only lasted you know two years 24 issues mm-hmm. and then they were out Mm-hmm. yeah trying for that number one collector's edition again yeah that's probably it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but again you know it's 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 my son he's he's really uh really interested in all that so we've been kind of going awesome. through all that i'm i'm gonna try and get him to read the the will payton starman books too because i thought those were, that were written by roger stern 
around the same era as uh, as all that other stuff. Anything written by Roger Stern has got to be good. Hey, Kirk, how's it going? Okay, just got home from work. Well, welcome. Welcome to Cocktails and Comics. We were just a couple drinks in and feeling kind of loose. So, uh, oh, but we've already spoiled some stuff. Well, that's good. I didn't hear it. Yeah, we we, yeah. we spoiled Mandal. Kind of spoiled Mandalor. We didn't spoil Mandalorian, uh, but we did spoil the Picard show. So. Yeah, I hear they all die in the end. Yeah. Amazing, right? Last one of them. <laughs> they all turn out to be changelings. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about it, so you know, whatever you say could be fact or fantasy. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah just don't listen to the show until uh, you actually watch it, because, man. <laughs> it's a good show. <laughs> You'll enjoy it. We didn't even talk about the most messed just up part. Really you were talking about how series only lasted two years, 24 issues before they uh, ended or got recycled. What what uh, time period are you talking about? That's the mid 80s. We're talking basically the time right after right after Crisis. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking about DC books? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mostly. Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, Blue Devil. And I'm afraid I'm not terribly familiar with any of those. And then Starman, written by Roger Stern. The Will Payton Starman. As, um, again, uh, yeah, all those books were really, really good. I really enjoyed the runs. Uh, um, you know, the, um, the the Blue Beetle run was kind of like uh, if Spider-Man had Bruce Wayne's money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically. But you know the, the the booster gold, of course, was uh, you know imposter syndrome, redemption story, all that, and so that I always thought that was pretty cool. But uh, I, anyway, I have, have you, go ahead. Buddy ship in uh, uh, Justice League of America under was it Giffen? The anyway, so when they rebooted it, the <laughs> period. Yeah, I I enjoyed their their camaraderie at that point until. Uh, shall I say it? Shall I spoil it? Until somebody sure. pulled a trigger behind Blue Beetle. And uh, I'm not real sure. Why didn't Booster Gold know that was coming? Well, I, I, again, he was a football player. He was a jock. They didn't have to go to history. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, just, um, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But, I mean, you know, again, it's not like when you're four or five hundred years in the future that you're going to know that level of in-depth about what happened. Mm-hmm. And they always talk about, you know, whenever they, they have a, a thing set in the future, they always talk about that there was something, some great war or something that happened, and so every all the information before that was sketchy, and so they don't necessarily know everything that happened. But, yeah, um, he, he didn't, yeah, he didn't have biographies on everybody. You, you kind of wonder if maybe Skeets had that kind of information and just kept it to himself because nobody asked. Could be. Yep, yep. But uh, So you were asking earlier mm-hmm. uh, what we were reading these days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not burn related, but I can tell you something that I've picked up on in the last, uh, I don't know, 40 years or since the first of the year, I guess. Or so. Uh, there's a, uh, I believe it's a five-part miniseries. I keep asking to see if it's going to go any further, or if this is just the first arc of something. 
but it's called Avengers The War Across Time. And this is Alan Davis art, right? I understand it's his last work. And that's wow. how it was put to me. And I said, what do you mean last? And I said, before he retires. And I said, what, retires from this series or retires permanently? And the response that I got, and I can't vouch for this, is retires permanently. This is the end. So it's like, oh, I'm enjoying his artwork. Um, I'm enjoying the the, the characterizations. Uh, without giving too much away, I can give you a short synopsis or at least describe to you where this story takes place. If you're interested, if you're not, I'll, I don't want to bore you. But uh, uh, if you know the early history of the original Avengers at all, um, the Masters of Evil have dominated the first eh, ten issues or so. As we get to about issue 11, Kang returns for the second time and sends a robot impersonator for Spider-Man to attack the Avengers. Not much is ever made of this. It's not a terribly important historical story. Um, they figure it out. The real Spider-Man comes and, and, and you know dismantles it. It's sort of a, a one-issue crossover where Spider-Man at least visited the Avengers. Mm -hmm. This arc, this story, takes place immediately after that as Kang basically says, nuts, my Spider-Man robot didn't do any good. Well, if they think that's the only ace I've got up my sleeve, let me send a Hulk robot back to them. He'll cream them. And so the story begins with all of a sudden the Hulk shows up and is pretty much tearing New York City apart. The original Avengers show up, appear, and fairly quickly figure out, wait a minute, this ain't the Hulk. His eyes are glowing red. This is Kang's voice coming out of the robot and we can't stop him. So they have a pretty good tussle in the first issue. Well, I'd be pissed off if I figured out that Kang has just attacked me from the future and sent a second robot back that almost got us. So what would you do? Well, the logical thing is, let's go take the fight to him. Mm -hmm. Who's got a time machine? Uh, nobody. Except for the Fantastic Four, who have Doctor Doom's time machine. Right. So let's go pay the FF a visit. So in the second issue, they go to the Baxter building, except the FF is gone someplace. So they overcome the security measures, come in, but they can't figure out how to run the damn machine. Oh, no. Are you supposed to run on it at super speed? Oh, wait, that's the Flash with his cosmic treadmill. <laughs> and there are no instructions sitting there. And basically, they justify their actions of breaking into the, the Baxter building, saying, well... Reed would understand. He won't mind if we break in. We just want to borrow it. But they can't figure out how to run it, so they basically they turn around, and as they leave, can't remember what it is, but there's something that falls off a shelf, lands on the control panel, activates the thing, and while nobody's there, all of a sudden something comes through from somewhere else. And it turns out that it's the Troll King, but not just any Troll King. It's the one that forged Thor's hammer. Wow. And he wants his hammer back. So the next maybe two two to three issues are a struggle between this troll king and Thor as he gets a hold of the hammer and takes it away, and they can't figure out where he you know, came from. He accuses them of kidnapping him from wherever his realm is. And so it's, you know, it's sort of a... Uh, misunderstanding 
um, between them, the end result is there's a couple of cliffhangers, and ultimately the Troll King burrows below the surface and discovers the Lava Men that have only appeared in issue five of the original series so far. And so he kind of says, hey, I'm your new king. Follow me. Hmm. Long story short, they get the hammer back. They're uh, pretty upset. And about that time, Kang has figured out, he says, this isn't working. I'm tired of taking the, sending the fight to them. I'm going to bring them to me. So they vanish in a flash of light, and that's as far as the story has gone. They are being transported to the future. They have guessed that it's probably Kang transporting them out of present day into the future, but that's the cliffhanger that ends issue four. There's only one more issue left, um, and this is all written by Paul Levitz. Yeah, now that, I, I, was a, I heard about that, and that really surprised me because he has always been a DC guy. Right. I mean, that's what I think. He wrote the Great Darkness Saga. He's, he did Legion of Superheroes for years. And if I understand, he was an editor at DC for a good long while, too. That's, that's what I thought, too. So I don't know how he came to be associated with this project, but it's well-researched. All the characters are in the right frame of mind. The topical references to what's going on in the Marvel Universe are spot-on. Somebody's done a really good job of, of research on this. Um, and this and is Alan Davis art. He's doing the penciling and inks, right? At least the penciling. Maybe he does the inks. I don't have it right in front of me. Yeah, I, I was, yeah, I was it, just checking. Yeah, he, he's he's doing all the art now. The, I suspect it may be collected in a trade in another month or two. Yeah, uh, but I've been enjoying it so far. It's the only book that I have bought, and I'm not sure why I started. I guess somebody mentioned on Facebook that it was coming, or they shared a, a scan of the cover. Anyway, so I went and I, I hunted it out, and uh, I get the last copy that's on the shelf of my local comic book shop every month. Uh, so they must have ordered just X number of them, and I'm the, <laughs> the last person there, which they're very pleased to see me show up. Mm -hmm. uh, but I can't tell you how many times I've plucked it off the shelf uh, and been the last, you know, the last person. So they can't tell me whether it's going to continue after the fifth issue, but uh, they, they're they're going to have to wind it up pretty quickly. I don't think it's impossible, but uh, I think it'll be a, a, a kind of a, a quick quick wrap-up. There's got to be something else that's going to happen that's going to thwart Kang, hmm. in my view. Well, I'm just sitting here but thinking it's, about you know, the, it's, it's, the retirement of, of Alan Davis. Now, he's yeah 10 years older than me, so that makes him 67 years old. Ouch! And, well, I mean... 67 is the new 55. Thank you. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it's again, a lot of these guys that, that we've been following for a long time are retiring now, and, and you know, I'm not surprised about it, but I hadn't seen any kind of drop-off in quality. The artwork that I saw for, for this story seems to be pretty, you know, right on, you know, with his, with his uh, work. But I've also noticed that he hasn't put out a whole lot in the last few years. He, um, what, he did uh, Savage Sword of Conan back in 19, 2019, and he was doing a tarot series in 2020. 
but it looked like you took a, a three-year break between doing that and doing this. It may also be that they contracted with him to say, hey, we have this great idea. Yeah, we got Paul Levitz on board. We, we, we you know, yeah. we'd like to contract you for this. And he may have said, give me time. I'm busy with health issues or, you know, I'll, I'm going on vacation. Who knows? But uh, I'm glad to have him. Um, I think it looks really nice. Mm-hmm. The last thing I recall from him was something I think was called Fantastic Four The End mm-hmm. or something like that, but it was supposedly the last Fantastic Four story, and it it had a huge cast of characters and probably had six issues. See, I'm looking at his body of work trying to find that. Um, I see Fantastic Four Annual... 33 in 2012 but I don't see anything that's labeled Fantastic Four after that um hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy, Mother Entropy I remember some of the developments in in the Fantastic Four story that I'm talking about but I won't bore you oh yeah here it is Fantastic Four the end 1 through 6 came out in 2006 7 yeah 2006 and 2007 yeah it's been quite a while yeah I really enjoyed that one, um, but geez, there's a huge cast of characters. Um, and he wrote it too. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I didn't know that. Man, that looks gorgeous too. Yeah, Look, yeah. I, I'm looking at the cover on it. There's it looks almost looks like Adam it. Hughes did it. But it's easy to see, you know, get to get the two of them confused a little bit. I love both their artwork. Anyways, if you enjoy retro stories that are placed in the middle of continuity, which I tend to enjoy, this time period of the Avengers is just prior to my period. So, you know, I can take it or leave it. I was never a particular fan of the original Avengers because I wasn't around for it as a kid. But uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the amount of research. They they have done a very good job of having Thor... Um, struggling with his, oh, I can't release the hammer for 60 seconds or I'll revert back to Don Blake. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hank, Pym, and the Wasp are in good uh, good form. Uh, they, they make their bantering or her flirting with, with other people. You know, it fits in. It feels pretty, pretty organic. Um, the Hulk is still feared. They don't know who the Hulk is yet. Um, and the FF have control of the only time machine that's around so you know it's very logically plotted out i'm i'm enjoying this but it doesn't tend to move very quickly um i had expected there would be more a more direct confrontation with kang earlier than this but you know you go for the ride the the teller tells the tale at his own pace so uh you know i'm i'm enjoying it very much it's the only thing that i'm buying so also suspect that it's coming out now because of all the hype regarding Kang and the Marvel uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Have you already talked about those developments? No, not at all. And, and not yet. I mean, the thing is, unfortunately, the big news is more what's going on with Jonathan Majors, the guy that's playing yeah, Kang. This caught me off guard. I didn't know there was any controversy at all. Um, and I'm... You know, forgive me for saying this, but I'm not sure that whatever's going on in his personal life merits being booted from the series or being recast, unless I totally misunderstand what's going on. Who's the expert on this? Who knows? 
I have no idea. I, I can't say that I'm an expert, but what I can say is a lot of people are coming out of the woodwork and saying that he is a, a, a despicable human being. And so much so that, you know, a lot of things that he was doing, he's not doing anymore. But, you know, Marvel's kind of gone all in on him as Kang. And yeah. it's just like DC with The Flash and Ezra Miller, they can't, you know, they've already got the movie in the can, they got it ready to go, they can't just... They can't erase him. Yeah, well, they could. I mean, they've, they've he erased Kang, Amber Heard from the Aquaman movie. <laughs> what? What was that, John? I was saying, I mean, he is Kane. They could totally recast and say it's just a whole thing if, if that's necessary. So yeah. it's, it's not undoable. But the, the yeah, word is, is they, they have an out saying, "Hey, this is a different interpretation of him. This is a different uh, what's the word in, incarnation of him." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could do that, but it's like I think he's a fine actor. I've enjoyed. Well, how, how many things have we seen him in? We've seen him in Loki. We've seen him in the Ant-Man movie. I mean, he's but he's been in so much else too. Um, I'm trying to what in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, not just Marvel, but a lot of things. Um, one second here. Okay, yeah, I'm sure he's got a career, but it's like I don't feel like we're overly invested in him yet. But I've enjoyed his work, and I can separate his personal life from his his professional acting. Well, I mean, the thing is that the things that are coming up about him are not just about his personal life, but his behavior on set. You know, oh, I'm going to have to look it up now, but just give me a second here. Um, I've not heard any of this. What? I've not heard any of this yet, so please enlighten us. Yeah, because he's been on, I mean, he's been on that Lovecraft Country series that got uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of a lot of talk, and then of course there was a Creed three where he was the the bad guy in that. But um, see, now I'm going to have to look this up. You guys are going to have to vamp. The uh, the other thing that that occurred to me about this um, just recently on another topic, there's been a couple of postings, um, a couple of things that have swept the internet, talking about the possible relationship between Matthew McConaughey. And Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, and the uh, the buzz or the, the, I'll say it this way: the buzz is that they might be brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, when I first heard it, I thought, "Oh, that's interesting." And then the story had legs, and it came back again. And now it was part of I don't know NBC News had a, a segment or something like that. And I started to think about it myself and said, you know. Why? Why are we getting into their personal lives? Why is this important? And then it, the penny dropped. There's a new series that they're both guest starring in, that they want the publicity to hype this this uh, streaming service uh, movie or series or something like that. And it's like, oh, that's why. This is with their cooperation that they're they've uh, dropped this hint, so that you know nothing succeeds like uh, scandal or publicity and there is no such thing as negative publicity so oh yeah there is in today's culture well no in in one in terms of promotion yeah gotta come up with with uh, something to draw the attention make people (gasps) gasp and want to see the series and you know but in this case with Jonathan Majors what it is boiling down to is that um, he got arrested a while back from a girlfriend, an ex-girlfriend that said that he physically abused her. 
Yeah. And then she apparently recanted her story, but since then, other people, other women, have come forth and made outraged allegations against him, saying that he's done, you know, done a lot of a lot of bad things. So this is one of those stories we're right in the middle of, and I mean, not all the not all the the pieces are in place, but uh, it's not looking good for him. Uh, his uh, PR firm has cut ties with him, but uh, Jonathan Majors, the guy playing Kang. Yeah, I'm saying, ooh, yeah. that's serious. Yeah, so I mean, it's, I, you know, I mean, his his lawyer, of course, is saying that he's going to make sure that all the charges are dropped, everything is false, you know, that he'll be fully exonerated. But everybody always says that, you know. Um, but it's just every time, I mean, it just seems like now, anytime someone's getting ready to do something, you kind of just waiting for something to drop and happen. Now, on another note. Um, the, the word came out today or yesterday that all charges against Alec Baldwin have been dropped oh. in the Rust shooting. And I, I don't see how well, they... I know that he started, he's resumed shooting. He's Rather, they've resumed working, but they're now on a set in Montana, I believe. I don't know if they've recreated the set or... Or if this is just another location that they're shooting at. So they're going to finish But I heard the filming had had started again. Hmm. But I hadn't heard the other part that is like, because all charges have been dropped. Yeah, that's... I guess that's good news, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's it's good. I mean, the thing is, why they charged him in the first place just didn't make sense. Because the the, the line of events that happened that caused that shooting does not put any glimmer of guilt on Alec Baldwin. You know? Yes, he pointed the gun, he fired it. However, it was supposed to be a prop gun. There was not supposed to be any bullets in it. And and there had been prior to that point, as far as he knew. Well, he was he was informed that it was, uh, you know, that it wasn't a live gun, that it didn't have bullets in it. He was told that right. it was prepared to, you know, fire blanks. And... It had a live round in there. I mean, it, it's just one of those things. It's just like someone wasn't doing their job, but it wasn't him. It was the weapons master right. or whoever. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that we'll ever get, you know, a satisfactory resolution to what happened. Because I'm sure that, you know, whoever's involved is probably going to have to pay off someone to make sure that they don't go to jail. Or at least so they don't get, you know, a larger lawsuit. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That one, that one was just crazy nuts. But the only reason why Alec Baldwin got charged was because somebody wanted their name in the paper, like the DA or whoever it was that that put the charges down in the first place. Let's get that Hollywood star and get my name in the papers. But ultimately, <laughs> well, it's also a case where you know the the, the prosecuting attorney. And the sheriff's department and the other people involved in the investigation, they didn't ask for this to happen. No, it it dropped in their laps. You don't you don't decide. Oh, gee, we'll have a murder in our community so that I can get him involved in it. You know, murders just happen. I'm not saying this is a murder, but I'm saying, for example, you know, a murder happens or a conflagration or a, a you know disaster happens, and all of a sudden you've got a media storm in your lap and if they can't get more information out of the prime actor they've got to go to public officials Mm -hmm. and you know try to get something new 
in each part of the news cycle. So, you know, yep. the pub, because allegedly the public wants to know. So tell us more, tell us more, tell us more. <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right. I want to change subjects over to okay. something else that I'm All kind right. of, I kind of got some odd feelings about. And that is this new Harry Potter series that HBO wants to put out. Are you, are you guys familiar with this? No, but the question came up in, at work. Uh, when we mentioned it last week, it's like, uh, do we really need any more Harry Potter? Um, the story's been told. It came to an end. True, true. Why Why is there a sequel? Or why is there another series? Well, now, here's the thing. It's, it's not a sequel. It's a redoing of the books in a longer format. Uh, you know, doing sort of like when those movies came out, like, Stephen King's uh, The Stand, you know, where it drew it out over a longer series of things so they could probably get more in tune or more, quote-unquote, true to the books. Right. They, they, they want to be a truer adaptation of the books than the movies were because yeah. the movies were incredibly abridged and left out and, so many different, you know, things. Yeah. And for me, I wasn't really into Harry Potter, so I don't care one way or the other. See, for me, I've, I've read all the books several times and um you know of course i've watched the movies but i you know i liked the movies for what they were i thought some of them were weaker than the others um chamber of secrets and uh, goblet of fire really being the the weaker ones and then there's like order of the phoenix which was a superior movie to the book the book was a slog mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. it, it just was it, it was uh, wasn't edited enough um, it was just you know too big, but the way that they're going to do these is that they'll basically have seven seasons of Harry Potter, where each season is you know each year, and so you'll have however many episodes they do, and they're actually going to be able to tell the full story of those books. Um, so I, I like the idea. I just think it's too soon. I mean, the last Harry Potter movie was what uh, 2011. So it was 12 years ago. I mean, this is kind of like what happened with the Amazing Spider-Man series. You know, Sam Raimi had done his trilogy with Tobey Maguire in the early 2000s. And then all of a sudden, we hear a new Spider-Man and they redo the origin. And it's like, it's too soon. And even for me, and I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, I had no, I just wasn't motivated to right. really watch those, I I went and saw the Amazing Spider-Man yeah, but, with my son. But Brian, it's more than by the time this comes out, it will be more than twenty years since the first series started. So by the time you get to the last movie, it's going to be another eight or ten years down the road. So you're looking at almost you know twenty years from the last movie, thirty years from the beginning of this. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you think it's too soon because it's constantly available, but it's an entire, like Kirk just said, it's an entire new generation. The real controversy, though, is with J.K. Rowling herself. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to be opposed to the series because of her comments about um, trans persons and their, their whether they're um, truly the gender that they state they are. 
and that's where a lot of the problem is. But as far as just the the content itself, I mean, I mean, we're in 2023, so it's been 22 years since the first movie came out. Mm-hmm. By the time this gets done, it's going to be like almost 25 years since. I mean, that's an entire generation of people. So, I, I don't know if it's too soon, really. Um, and if it's and if people are more interested in having an ad- adaptation truer to the book, they might be up for it by the time it actually comes out. Um, but that's just me looking at it from a completely disinterested third person point of view. Yeah, that's a good point. Though. I don't have a skin in the game either way. I mean, I never read the books. I, I actually, I read the first book and half of the second book. I think I've probably seen maybe two of the movies in full. I know. Um, tar and feather me but <laughs> that's me <laughs> yeah well and, and, you know the other thing that that worries me is that you know the the movies were cast pretty much along the lines of how the characters were described in the books there's a couple characters where the hair color is different you know but beyond that they pretty yes. much nailed everybody the way that they were written in the books now once you start doing this new series in today's modern age, you know that they're going to do a lot of changing of things to provide more equality. But what's that going to mean, though? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just which of the which of the the primary three is going to be of other race or even other other gender? You know, and is it going to do so much in changing that that people are just going to turn and walk away? I mean, as you say, yeah. people are already turning and walking away. The The Fantastic Beasts franchise just fizzled out. Did they ever yeah. do the third movie? No. Uh, well, they did They did a third movie, but they haven't finished the series. The The finale to the series would be the battle between Dumbledore and, and Grindelwald. But because the last movie did so poorly, the crimes of Grindelwald did so poorly in the theater, they're not going to make the last one. Okay. So and and I did I did watch those I actually did watch both of those and they were okay I but for me it didn't grab me so right, but I'm they're not, not memorable they I'm were not a Harry Potter fanatic a fan so I wasn't really that interested but I was hoping that it would interest me enough to say oh I, I would like to see the next movie in it but um, I I just I'm not interested in it. Uh, unlike like Wheel of Time, the TV series Wheel of Time that came out, um, I had never read the books, but the series actually interested me. So when it comes out again, I'm like, oh, the first series two, I'll be like, oh, I'll be interested in watching that. I was able to get a, even though it's not like the books at all, or it's not closely following the books, or there's a lot of differences, uh, if I said that right. <laughs> um because I didn't read the books, but I was interested in it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can get into this. Um, so, anyway. So, John, how many of the Harry Potter books have you read? One and a half. Um, uh, this is my personal opinion, but I think the first book is weak because it was written for kids, and I don't think it was. it's very deep. I don't think it's very polished. Um, almost like it was a work on spec. It launched the rest of the series when Scholastic ponied up a bunch of money and said, mm-hmm. hey, keep going, keep going. Yeah. My personal feeling is books two and three are also basically written for kids, 
but they're much more engaging stories, much more involved concepts. I would encourage you to, to finish two and three. All of a sudden, they discovered, hey, we don't just have the kids. We got the adults that are reading these, and the the thickness of the books with four. They, just they mature per jump. book. They, they they mature with each book. That's for sure. Um, well, all the rest of it is written at a different level. But I, my feeling is, the first book is very much aimed at kids. The second and third book are quality stories that are written for kids that you will enjoy. Yeah. They're good little mysteries. Oh, the third the first one. I didn't think was that great of a mystery. The third one fleshes out so much backstory, tells yes. you, so, you you learn so much about James Potter and and the other characters. Uh, it's it's uh, I mean it's it's really good. It's one of my favorites, um, and I actually liked what they did with the the movie. They they actually covered a lot of ground, even though they weren't able to cover everything. I thought they handled it really really well. The um, the, thing. the other thing that I'd recommend is, in terms of reading these books, mm -hmm. if you can get your hands on the um, the Jim Dial um, narrated book on tape or book on CD, mm -hmm. and listen to his delivery or performance of the books, that helps tremendously because he puts the accent on the right part of the sentence. He, you know, he knows the the words. It just he just breathes life into it. That is so much more rewarding. It makes you laugh out loud when there's a funny scene that he sets up. I mean, it, it's you know he's just reading the words that are on the page, but it's a superior way to experience those books. It's a good dramatic so reading. Yes, he, he's just wonderful with it, and you catch the the creativity of the the spells. Um, he pronounces the words right. Um, you know, just we, we experienced that when we started listening to the, the cassette versions of those books. And we would listen to them when we did uh, family vacations or drive across country. We'd always take one of the books along, even though we may have already heard it. And that was just wonderful for us. Even though we'd already read the story, to hear him read it, just, you know, it was a, a wonderful experience and a better experience. So I recommend that the uh, I, I believe the book on tape version the the guy who reads it is I think his name was Jim Dial. It, it's Dale, I believe. Um, Dale, okay. Jim Dale. I was close, but I'm trying. I, I I think that might be confused with this the guy that read the uh, the uh, Tolkien stories because um, he may have. Wow, oh, he's really good though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and I've listened to to all of those now, and that's the thing. The the big difference there is the the first book, the Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone, as they call it here, um, is only about eight hours long, where all the other ones are nearly eighteen, twenty to twenty two yes. hours long. It the, yeah. the the first book is incredibly small compared right. to the others. And, and and my feeling is it was basically. You know, she was doing it on spec. They they gambled. You know, they paid her a stipend. They, you know, the book came in. They printed it. It caught on, and then they they ponied up the money and said, "Hey, you got any more books? Well, mm -hmm. tell us about the rest of it." I didn't have the feeling the first book was expected to continue, and at least that was my impression. I've enjoyed the series. Don't get me wrong, and I don't want to say anything against it. But I just based on the first book. 
I would not have expected it to go any farther. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I, I mean, that's that's. I didn't consider that at all in any of my reads, and, and so now I'd, I'd probably want to go through it again, wondering if that's you know if that was the the consideration. But I don't think it is because there was so much. There, there, even even though it wasn't as long as the other ones, there's still a lot of information that's given away in there. There is that only works there because is. of you know later books. Yeah, I agree. You know, she was sitting in a coffee shop writing this as a single mother, single parent, um, trying to trying to make ends meet. Um, so, um, my understanding is that she was basically telling the tales that she came up with her imagination, but it's based upon the old English legends that she and her sisters uh, were were telling each other or that they were acquainted with. Um, I guess all of this Harry Potter lore, the, the Harry Potter verse, if you will, universe, is stands on the shoulders of uh, Camelot and Merlin oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. all of that, which, as far as I know, over here, we were unfamiliar with. Um, you know, we we our culture in the U.S. is not that well versed in Merlin and magic and the English tradition. So we really enjoyed it. You know, it was all new to us. Um, but I understand that that you know, it wasn't that big of a leap <coughs> for the British audience. And I'll stop there. Well, I mean, I mean, you, you make you make some good points and. I, I, I had no doubt that that it's rooted in all that. I'm I'm pretty well versed on the Canterbury Tales, the works of Ch Geoffrey Chaucer and such. So, you know, I sit there and I, I can see where they, uh, they they reach over. Now I'm going to change subjects though and go back to something we we're talking about earlier, but we didn't touch this, and that is it was announced this week that they're going to make a Star Trek movie about Section 31 with Michelle Yeoh. Now, for years, they've been saying that they were going to do a TV series on Section 31 with Michelle Yeoh's character, Philippa Giorgio, from uh, Star Trek Discovery. And uh, after her Oscar win for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, um, you know, they realized that she's not going to have time to be able to do the series, so they're going to go ahead and just shoot a movie and throw a little bit more money at it. What do you guys think about that? Are you familiar with Section Thirty One? Only that it's a clandestine branch of Star uh, a Starfleet that does dirty tricks or dirty ops. Um, I guess they had some control over. Uh, was it Bashir, Doctor Bashir on DS Nine? Mm -hmm. uh, that's about or, or that's about all that I I know. I'm not well versed in it, except uh, you know he. It's it's the dirty secrets end of, of Starfleet that nobody wanted to talk about until they started introducing them in, in DS9. Yeah. And now it's a thing. That's all I know. I know it got mentioned in this season of Picard when um, they <coughs> had um, discovered Picard's body was being held in a particular mm -hmm. vault and, you know, Jim Kirk's body was also being held. Yeah. Because so, that was all related to Section 31. And a big part of um, Star Trek Discovery. Um, I'm looking forward to it because I love Philippa Giorgio. Mm -hmm. I love the Mirror Universe version. I wish we had had more of the original regular universe yeah. version. 
Uh, but uh, Michelle Yeoh is an amazing actress, and she brings so much to that character that uh, I'm looking forward to the movie just to see her and what they're going to do with it alone. And I hope they just do it well. It looks. Like, it sounds like they want to. It sounds like, and also it sounds like you know she's demanding that they do things a very particular way. So it, I think it'll go well. I'm looking forward for to her. it. Now, as far as other Star Trek movies. Don't know if anything is going to happen. Hmm. It's, it just seems I like they, that they can't get the band I back together. The new, what? New movie is on on again. The new Star Trek movie in the Kelvin universe is now on again, but without Chris Pine attached to it. Uh, but I can't tell you the source of that. I don't know where I read that, but that's just in the last day or two. Really? See, I hadn't heard anything like that, but. Yeah, Anything they're doing possible there. Basically, the headline, I think I saw it online, and basically the headline was, they're doing it, and they're doing it without him. But I don't know if I believe any of that crap at this point. It's been on, it's been off, he's been attached, he's been not attached. It's like, I don't I don't know. I believe it when they get to the box exactly. office. Exactly. That's, you know, wait till you see that first poster or first trailer. And, and go from there. Now, I did see you, a teaser trailer. you guys going to see Guardians of the Galaxy 3? As soon as it comes out. When's it projected for? I think well, it's within the next few weeks, which is rough on me because uh, we have to move. Is that gonna be, uh, does that feature Kang? Is that tied in? Uh, let's see. No, it's a high evolutionary. Yeah, that's right, high evolutionary. So, yeah. I got a kick out of the title. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Mm-hmm. I think that's springboarding off the second cassette tape that he was presented. That said, uh, awesome mix, Volume Two. Well, yeah, all the movies are. I mean, the first one was just Guardians of the Galaxy, but the second one was Volume Two. And this is. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, and this one's Volume Three, and it's actually being released May fifth. So it within just like what two weeks. Uh, we can go see it for our anniversary. Hooray! <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna be gone nuts by that point. But uh, yeah. I'm, Why do you say that? Well, I'll be moving. I'm, oh, I'm that's get, right. Getting ready to move if everything goes well. That's right. You guys bought the X mansion, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Stop calling it a mansion. Everybody's gonna think I'm rich or something. I'm not. Yeah. Tell us where the blackbird fits. If there's a, you know, a volleyball court that rolls off to yeah, one side, goes under the pool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Oi, but uh, yeah, but that's 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 coming up in the next few weeks. So uh, I, I, you know, it's like I just got so much I'm trying to get done, and uh, I don't know. We'll see. But I'm looking. We're definitely going to go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Um, the cast just looks huge because, I mean, you've got the regular cast of characters, but you also have Sylvester Stallone coming back in a larger role. Um, Will Poulter will be there as Adam Warlock. Uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Debicki is back as Aisha, you know, the Golden Woman. Mm. Her. Her. Yeah, that's right. Her. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum, formerly Lex Luthor, is, is coming in as Martin X. We saw him. At the end oh. of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, he came in as, as Martin X. Um, so, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they've got a lot of people in this one added on to the regular cast. 
Has anyone seen uh, Ant Man two yet? Oh, uh, you mean three? The Quantumania? Three. Yeah. Yeah. I saw. Yes, yeah, so I've saw seen it. it. I, I I liked it better than most people, but I mean, I thought the whole Modoc thing. I think Modoc thing really kind of turned a lot of people off. Yeah, that wasn't necessary. And it, they they boy they really whew, they, they they connected two separate concepts together uh, to 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 introduce Yellow Jacket and um, Modok and make them uh, attach them in in whew, one character. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a real leap for me. You know, I I paid my money. I enjoyed the film, but it's like. <laughs> well, you know, you, you bring up an interesting point, and that is, you know, the MCU is far and away very different from the characters that we were familiar with in, like, the Marvel 616 universe. Yes. And nobody has really raised a, a hand and said, hey, this isn't right, you need to do it right, you know? But I would love to see them restart the Marvel universe over. I, I think that they're just now starting to get the idea that maybe by getting rid of Captain America and Iron Man and the others, that maybe they've lost a good part of the magic that they have. Now, Guardians in, in its, of itself has some magic, but still, when you got rid of those other characters, it, it, it took something away from the Marvel Universe, and people are so much more critical about the movies that are coming out now. It's like they're just falling all over each other to say how bad they are. Well, it's probably because we have so many. Before earlier, you know, we were just like just starting. I was like, oh my gosh, this is great, and we forgave a lot of things, which kind of set a trend for them to kind of move to what you just said was uh, away from what we were used to in the comics. So a lot of the characters are unrecognizable when you compare them to the other medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so now I think people are being more critical because we have so much more flooding our airwaves that it's like they can do that. <laughs> you know what I would really like to see? And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit there and, and go to the D.C. side. Go for and, it. Go for it. Brian, what do you want? I want to see a Joker that's actually the Joker. You know, the movie Jokers that we've gotten over the years, the only one that is anything really like the comic book Joker is Cesar Romero. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. I mean, it, Jack Nicholson right. was Jack Nicholson playing a character called the Joker who laughed a lot, but he was... Still Jack Nicholson. But, yeah, and, but he was a mobster. And, you know, that's not really where the Joker came from. And the Joker didn't kill Bruce Wayne's parents. And then, but I love that that change in the mythos. That that was nice cyclical writing. Yeah, but I mean, again, it it, it just kind of, and then they killed him, right there in the first movie, and then you get Heath Ledger who comes in and plays this gritty, dark, well planned out Joker, but he's not playing the Joker. No, he's not. And then this uh, guy that was in the most recent. Um, Batman movie for just a few brief seconds, again is not the Joker that we all have read over the years. He might be a modern interpretation that they've got in one or two books that are out, but we're not seeing the Joker that the closest thing to the Joker that we that we could possibly have is Mark Hamill's character from the Batman the animated series. Mm-hmm. Amen. 
But Mark Hamill will not do that Joker ever again since Kevin Conroy passed away. So that's a bummer. But, uh, you know, I I don't know. If they back back a big enough truck up with a dump truck with enough cash. No, um, he's done. He's done. It's like Stan Laurel when Oliver Hardy died. He, he, oh, well, that, that, okay. That's a different thing. But it, it's got the same resonance to them, to, to them as performers. Yeah. Anyway, but I, I mean, and then of course there's. So when they did the voices, were they in the same room with each other? Yes. They they, they love to do it that way. I can understand that then. They, they, they played off from each other. I thought perhaps they were in separate. Recording. I don't think that, it was always uh, like that. I think it was together. something that they decided to do because they felt that it worked better for the dynamic. Yeah, yeah. I bet you it started with Mask uh, of the Phantasm, but I don't know. But what I read is that yeah, they like to record together. But you, know, so you mentioned the uh, the Joker and Caesar Romero. Um, I just read something online. I'm trying to remember why. Anyways, it had to do with the Riddler um, and uh, why you know what an instant hit he was and how he came back to the silver age uh, comics and there was a the, the, the debate was did the did the uh, Batman TV series come out and that spawned his return or did his return in the the uh, the comics spawn him in the the TV series which came first the, okay the, the Riddler was uh, a second rate villain amongst Batman's yes. villains until right. uh, Frank Gorshin came onto the Batman series and, and did his performance, and then the Riddler became a top tier. Except the issues where he returns, and I can't quote them because I'm not a DC fan, the issues that he appeared in when he made his return were already in production before the TV show aired, and they showed up within a couple of weeks after he... He hit the the small screen. They knew something. Yes, they they had their ducks in a row. They knew they had because in all of a sudden he was on the cover mm-hmm. of two or three different uh, Batman uh, issues. I mean, yep. you know, they they hit gold absolutely. There's no question. But I always had the feeling that they, that it, he wasn't playing the Riddler. He was playing the Joker with the insane laugh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were getting the uh, a TV version of the Joker until Cesar Romero was then introduced, and when I I don't know I have funny feelings about him between his performance and not knowing who the Joker was supposed to be, and the fact that they powdered his make his mustache because he wouldn't shave it off. You know that, don't you? Yeah, I know that. But yeah. you know the thing is, as a kid with TVs as they were, I never noticed it. It's, yeah, I didn't I mean, either. now it's so obvious. No, I with can't. A, we're in high def world. Not yeah, that, I mean, that didn't bother me at all. I, it, it didn't didn't make any difference to me. The performance, though, was, I mean, he was always consistent in his Joker performance. Now, yes. that's not to say that any of the actors that have that have done it, you know, in, in going to, Jack did a stunning performance. Heath Ledger did yeah. an amazing performance. Joaquin Phoenix yeah. did a movie that shouldn't have been made, but still. He did a great job. Everybody on that movie did a great job, but the movie never should have been made. But none of those guys were the Joker. They were called the Joker, but they weren't the Joker that we read in the comic books. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, are we going to get to a point where we, you know, 
I don't know if they can wipe the table, start over and give us the characters as they're supposed to be? Or are they always going to try and wash them into something that they think that will bring in the most people to the theaters? Can't they just trust that the material gives them you know, what, what is needed to bring people in? What did you think of um, what's his name? Jay Leto? Leto? Jared, okay. Uh, I didn't hate him like other people did, but I didn't think that he matched the material. Um, the look that they gave him was, was was what I thought was the big mistake. But the things that he did in prepping for the role kind of made sense for that kind of actor. You know, like, he would sit there and go to different places. Like, he'd go sit on the subway and try different laughs just to see which one would annoy people the most. And that's how he came yeah. up with the laugh that he used in the movie. So, I mean, and, and he gave Zack Snyder what Zack Snyder wanted, but Zack Snyder is, you know, he wants to do things a particular way. And that might have worked really, really well 30 years ago. People would have flocked to the theaters to see those movies. But when those movies finally did come out, they were not blockbusters. I thought the relationship between Harley Quinn and the Joker was interesting to see on the screen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that I felt worked at a certain level. Um, but I wasn't really enamored with his, his Joker portrayal. I was just, I, I, I would, hmm. you said you call Jack Nicholson, the gangster, I would have said Jay Leno's, uh, not Leno, Leto, whatever his well, name the is. hip hop Is a modern hip hop yeah. gangster. And that's, yeah. And I, that, yeah, you know, I agree. We haven't seen the Joker um, from the, the comics yet. Yep. And so yep. it's so it's a question. You know, now, and, and right now we're kind of in this weird gray area because. They're going to go ahead and make another Pattinson Batman movie, and it looks like they, you know, they're going to use that guy they had as the Joker that was talking to the Riddler, you know, in the cells, uh, as as the Joker for that movie. So uh, we're going to get that, but we're also going to get another Batman, a younger Batman, in the movies that James Gunn is, he you know, headlining, creating. He's going to start work. He's already started pre-production on Superman Legacy. Uh, within this last week, but no one has been cast, no one's even been announced, no one's auditioned. James Gunn has not picked anyone to do it, just like no one's been picked for James Bond yet. You know? And and, and so it's it's going to be a while before we actually get all that other stuff in the DC Universe, because he wants to get this right. Unfortunately, he's going with the... Um, the Superman... What's that, uh, that story that uh, Grant Morrison did... All-Star Superman, which a lot of people love it. I don't. Hello? Did I kill everyone? I'm here. Okay. No, I'm not familiar with the story. It's it's actually an animated movie now um, that you can watch that's a little bit washed. Um, but the, 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 the crux of the series is Lex Luthor puts in a series of events into motion to basically kill Superman. But he's got like a year to live, I think, is what how much time he's got, and has to go through a number of things in the course of the year. Uh, they do have other Kryptonians that show up, and uh, a, a lot of nods to some Silver Age uh, stuff that Grant Morrison always liked. 
but do they throw the white kryptonite at him as he goes past in the uh, the coffin, the glass coffin? Uh, I don't remember. I know he wears a white outfit, but like in the book, it's pretty definitive. He dies in the the animated movie. You can kind of determine for yourself what happened to him. But uh, yeah, no. Now let me ask you: Have either of you watched this series, Gotham Knights? I am. Are you liking it? Yes. I couldn't get past the first episode. Neither could Christopher. I've completely divorced it from anything Batman, anything whatever. It's complete alternate reality, forming a new Teen Titans. Uh, I just. Is that who they are? Well, Teen Titans. They're... A sort of a sort of Teen Titans kind of thing, but not like we know. It's a them, Batman so. family, is what it is. Without Batman, it's a Batman family, but. You know, a lot of them from since 2000, but also throw in Duella Dent. I'm just enjoying it. I mean, uh, it's... I don't know who this main son of Batman yeah, is. Yeah, it's not... It, I, I'm assuming it would eventually be revealed to be Damien. I, I am assuming that it will be Damien, or it will be Damien in Prodigy. So, sort of like how... Remember when we had the drug issues in uh, the 80s? They couldn't use Robin, so they created the protector yeah, to be yeah, the purple outfit the guy. guy. Yeah. So, so something like that. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's I'm just I've completely. It's not anything related to comic books, so I, that's how I can make it so that I can enjoy it. And I'm I really enjoy uh, the Duella Dent character. She's really she's fun. I like her. <laughs> She's not the Harlequin that I grew up with, but she's closer to it than anything that DC has done in the last 30 years, so um, I'm like here. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And... It's, it's, it's the typical emo, Arrowverse, CW-style thing, so you're going to have to accept that, that that's the way it's going to be. And I think once you, if you can, accept that and let that go, I think you'll be okay with it. Hmm. I just, uh, I mean, to me, the writing in the first episode was so bad. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I, I was like, there are several characters I just didn't like from the, the get-go. But, uh, I mean, it is it is what it is. And, I mean, if people like it, that's great. I, My son and I both just kind of looked at each other and were just like, nah, I'm out. I mean, my son actually did his hands like a Las Vegas dealer. And he goes, I'm out. <laughs> That's it. <sighs> Kirk, have you seen anything on that? Only the uh, a promo that has been running on the local uh, NBC affiliate promoting their the show on the CW. So I've seen the same promo over and over and over again because uh, they keep trying to hype it. And I don't I don't recognize who they are. I guessed that one of them was going to be Dick Grayson, but I have not seen the show. And from the, the, the kind of cocking of the head of one of the, the women, I wondered, is that Harley Quinn? Uh, no. And that's all I know. You know, yeah. I haven't seen it. I'm not likely to see it. Um, I can't even tell you what channel the CW is on. I haven't watched Arrow. I haven't watched Flash. I haven't watched any of that stuff. They've just left me in the dust, you know. Yeah. Well, the Flash first couple seasons are good, but after a bit, it kind of goes off the rails. And yeah. that was true of, of Smallville too, wasn't it? 
Well, Smallville, yeah, when they got into the whole Lana and Lex together, yeah, the show went definitely off the rails. Yeah. Hey, can you guys see what I shared? The screen I shared? No, just a second. Let me turn on my monitor. Yeah. No. It's not showing? No. No. Let me try this again. No. Okay, here we go. I want this action figure. Do you see this? Oh, yeah. the Yeah, awesome. I saw somebody posted something about that in one of the groups I'm in. It's uh, the uh, Safari Jacket Wonder Man. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Safari Jacket Wonder Man. And then there is... Uh, I found a... Uh, on eBay, there is the John Byrne Superman collectible action figure, and they were really? they want like seventy bucks for it. Wow! Yeah, and I'm just like, Sorry, man, I don't I'm know not if I can pull the trigger on that one, but nah, not not for some third party or fourth party to get all the the profit on yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> now this right here um, is that's that's the store price. So I don't know if it's available that's... in any of the the walk-in stores, but. Uh, this one looks yeah. as much like Burns' version of Simon Williams or even George Perez' version. Circa, it's pretty cool, yeah. yeah. Avengers Definitely from 200. that era. Yeah. And so I'm just like, you know, part of this is so we can talk about John Byrne for a minute, so this actually can... <laughs> we can get this yeah, one John yeah. Byrne fans. Um, not, not a whole lot happening on the John Byrne front right now. He's been very quiet lately uh, on his own website. He's starting to talk a little bit more about some things, but he's not, you know, he's not. He still hasn't gone back and showed us all the fun stuff that he had put aside for Elswin. We've been waiting to see uh, if he was going to show that stuff out, and uh, he just seems to be enjoying his retirement, and he's having a lot of fun. Yeah, it's almost two years now, isn't it, or a year and a half since he? Yeah, about a year. About a, or a year. Yeah, okay. about a year away, and. But I mean, where do I find this image that you were sharing? What is it under gallery? I haven't seen what you shared with John. You, you can't see my screen. I mean, I, I shared the, the uh, my screen with you nope, in Skype. I'm, seeing, I'm in Skype and I'm not finding uh, it. Well, let me stop sharing and I'll try sharing again. How about now? I'm still nothing yet. I'm sure this is riveting television yeah. for <laughs> the people riveting watching. Riveting podcast, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll but, send a copy okay. of the image to you, but all right, that's fine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just sure. a really good um, uh, image. Uh, I mean, a, a figure of Simon Williams, Wonder Man in the safari jacket, and uh, okay. I'm gonna put it in Facebook Messenger. There you go. This will wake up everybody. There you go. Anyway, that's that there. Now. Yeah, so- chimed on my phone. Yeah, that's Facebook Messenger. Um, I'm trying to remember, were you guys on the coverage of the West Coast Avengers? Yeah, I was. You were? No, Kirk, you were out, weren't you? I was out. I see the picture you sent me now. Yeah. I I see why you want it. Yeah, I mean, that's a really cool-looking action figure. I mean, even to the the, the wrinkling... Just make sure you get a Beast action figure to go with it. Yeah, well, if they've got a good Beast. Blue furry Beast. Yeah. But it can just be not, flat. Not the X and modern beast. <laughs> you need the the old one. Yeah, yeah. But um, so what what uh, we started doing uh, is for we, we that was the first issue of Burns' run on West Coast Avengers, and we're going to kind of do it the same way that we did um, Elswin, 
where it'll be like an index of it, but we're not going to do it every episode. Like every every you know four or five episodes, we'll put out another episode of West Coast Avengers. So is the show out yet? Uh, be out Sunday night. Okay. Well, that's why I'm unfamiliar with it. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you missed you missed that. But uh, so, but yeah, you you can go back and read your West Coast Avengers issues and catch up on the storyline, so you can be ready when we do issue forty three. Actually, I will. It's uh, I've got a trade paperback that's sitting on my coffee table in my living room, and it's very likely that I will read it issue by issue in detail. Oh my gosh, where did I that really come from? It. <laughs> I can't imagine. I'll have to thank whoever sent it to me. <laughs> well, I, I think David is the one that actually deserves the thanks for all of it, because I think he'd sent several of us a couple books as part of a care package, and I already had a copy of that. Uh-huh. So I it took that and forwarded it to you once I finally was able to find it in all my stuff and as I've been packing things up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I got two of these. And I also have the omnibus now, so I don't necessarily need the other trade paperback. So I may have to find somebody to gift that to also. Though it's easier to read that when you're on the go than it is to pull out an omnibus and read those things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those omnibus that's are sure. heavy. And I'm going to have to I've got to tell you about how much I enjoy, as long as we're talking about this vision quest, yeah. I've got to tell you how unexpected it was when it, it dropped in the, in the, you know, the floppies. Yeah when it showed up on the spinner rack or whatever you want to call it, how much I enjoyed it, um, how well plotted I thought that it was, uh, that somebody had obviously done a lot of research on it and the characters looked right. And I, I just enjoyed going for the ride. And then we got involved in something called acts of vengeance. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I believe that there was a secret. Was there a Secret Wars crossover in there? I no, can't. not Secret anyway. Wars, but there was the the war in Atlantis. Oh, see, I don't know that. Uh, yeah, because that was a, like an Avengers annual, and it was Byrne penciling and Walt Simonson inking. Isn't there a mistake in there that that uh, uh, who's cat person? Tigra isn't Tigra shown, and she's not supposed yeah. to be. And Byrne actually, in West Coast Avengers, put a whole page thing at the end apologizing for the mistake. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have even noticed it, uh, to tell you the truth. I, that type of continuity doesn't bother me. But I've really enjoyed that run. What did it do? 41, no, 42 through... 57. 57? Yeah. So, what is that, 16 issues? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's roughly a year and a quarter. Could have gone a year and a half. Anyways, I, I really enjoyed that run, and I have uh, enjoyed flipping through the trade paperback. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it was an unexpected, pleasant um, pleasant run. I don't know how else to yeah, put no, it. Yeah, you're right. I you're right. wish they'd gone longer, you know? Yeah, uh, now West Coast Avengers Annual 4 is Atlantis Attacks, so that should be right up your, your alley there. And I did not, I did not get into all of those <sighs> mammoth crossovers in summer annuals. Um, I probably, if Vern drew it, I picked it up, but I don't, I don't have any memory of it except it sparked a huge fight between uh, Peter David and, and John Byrne, and that's all that I know. Huh. Well, no, this one. I don't know whether yeah. whose position was what, but it's just. <laughs> yeah, this one, it turns out, is Byrne and Austin. 
on that one. I know there's another one that he did where Walt Simonson did the inks. And I know Atumwa, Atumwa, it's not Atuma, uh, was on the cover, but I'm not finding it. Who's Atuma? Atuma. Atumwa. I don't, I don't know how it is. It's Atuma. It's not Atuma. Oh, wait. Okay. It's not Atuma. There is no other character named Atumwa, is it? No, it's, it's, it's a Tuma, but I, I have to say it's not a Tuma just because of the Arnold joke. Gotcha. Okay, let's okay. see. Was it part of the well, run? No, it wasn't. How many parts are there to Atlantis attacks? I do not know. See, that's part of the problem right there. I, you know, I, there are so many hands in the pot, and and as far as I was concerned, when you do an annual... It really sort of stands outside of continuity. It's very rare that it has been plotted so that it fits into to ongoing continuity. The exception being um, Avengers Annual Number Two or King Size Special Number Two, however you want to refer to it. Um, you know, most of them just they're standalone stories that don't have any any significance, as I recall. The exceptions being Burns. FF Annual 17 that's so wonderful about the Skrull Mill. Oh, yeah. And uh, a couple of the Jack Kirby Fantastic Four annuals that become terribly important. Um, annual number four, FF Annual number four, FF Annual number three, FF Annual number two, and uh, five wasn't all that important. They tried to sink it into continuity, but that's another whole discussion. And six, I just think is terrible. The birth of Franklin and Anilius, don't get me started on that. Now, the book that I was trying to find that had a Tuma was actually X-Factor Annual number four. 64 pages, and it's got uh, John Byrne and Walt Simonson. So it looks like Byrne on pencils and Simonson on inks. And what's the cover look like? It's uh, like a pinkish cover with a, t- with a Tuma choking Jean Grey underwater and Beast fighting some hey. Atlanteans in the background. That's uh, That would be, uh, as I recall, that was the thing that they were fighting over, but I, we won't go there now. It, folks, it's 2 a.m. Yep. As I, I was, I was about to say, about 20 minutes yeah. ago, I'm like, you know, I really need to go to bed. <laughs> But this has been right, a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming out and uh, doing this. It's another uh, episode of Cocktails and Comics, and we really didn't get too toasty. I mean, John, I think, That's may right. have gotten a little toasty because he kind of quieted down a little bit. I was just listening to Kirk, and you uh, chatted out, so that was good. All right. Well, if you want to talk to us, there are so many ways you can do it now. You can write us, of course, uh, at our email address, gottagetburned at gmail.com. You can reach us on our Facebook group, and you can, of of course, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes. But now, you can also reach us on Discord. And are you guys familiar with Discord? I am, and I don't use it. You don't use it. Same here. It's not for me. My friends and I, we had a a Dungeons & Dragons uh, campaign that we were doing uh, last year and the year before uh, called Waterdeep. If anybody's familiar with D&D, they're probably familiar with that. And uh, what we would do is we would use this one application, I think it was called Roll20, 
where you could see all the character movement and stuff. And so I had friends in Arizona and friends around here and other places that we were, so we were able to play D and D over the computer over the internet. And we used um, the Discord uh, for an audio channel, and we also used it for we could do video so we could see each other if we wanted to show things that we were doing. And then, of course, mm-hmm. it also has a chat feature. And you can create forums. So Gene Hendricks has set up for us on uh, Discord, a third-degree burn channel. So you can go in there, and then you can start your own discussion thread if you want. And we'll start a thread for every episode that we release. So people can go in there and say, hey, I thought this was really good. I like this. I didn't like that. Whatever. So they can sit there and chat with us pretty much real time. Uh, if they want to. Not that we're always going to be on Discord, but it's available too. So if you want to get uh, involved in the Discord bit, just uh, notify us. You can sit there and, and put a thing on our uh, our Facebook page or write to us, and we'll send you an invite. Now, I've actually put the invite for Discord already in our uh, Facebook group, but if you miss it, just you know, message me or, the, or someone else, and uh, we'll shoot you the invite. Anybody got anything else? Super. No, we're just looking forward to hear what people think about Picard, Mandalorian, Gotham Knight, whatever you're on. All the things that great. And reading. <laughs> yeah, and reading. And reading. Yep. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Kurt. Great to, great to hear you guys. All right, guys. Take care. Have a good night.
Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gotta get burned at gmail.com that's g-o-t-t-a g-e-t-b-y-r-n-e-d at gmail.com drop us a line and tell us how we're doing till next time this has been third degree burn some men aren't looking for anything logical like money they can't be bought bullied reasoned or negotiated with some men just want to watch the world burn